Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. How are you all today? So good to see you. Church, you know, church is, there's a universal church, which is all believers, all believers, present, past, and future. And this is the local church. This is the church that God has planted in this place for this season. How cool is that? What have we, who can tell me, what have we been doing for the last four weeks? This is our fifth week. His stories. We started with creation. We did, help me, we did Noah. Dwan spoke on Noah. Then we did the Tower of Babel. And last week, Heath preached on Abraham and Isaac. And today, I get to preach on Isaac, kids, Esau, and Jacob. So I'm going to read two portions of scripture. The one comes from Genesis 25, and the other one comes from Genesis 27. You can read the story of them. I encourage you to go and do it, 24, all the way through to 27. But these two portions, Genesis 25, 29. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Then jumping over to Genesis 27, three verses there, 21 to 23. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy, like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. That is two little portions from the story and I hate that word story. Can I just say? Because when, when we say story, we tend to think it's made up, hey? This is not made up. This is an account. About 4,000 years ago, this happened. It happened. When you read the Bible, remind yourself, this is real. It's not just a story. It is real. It's the word of God and it is truth. So we've got four characters here. Four characters that I want to introduce to you. And the first is Isaac, son of Abraham. And from what we read in the Bible, a godly man. Why would I say that? Well, the first thing he did was he obeyed his father Abraham. Remember last week, he, was a, he wasn't a small boy when he got on that altar to be sacrificed. So he obeyed his father. Then when the, the next we read about him, he's in a field and he's meditating waiting to meet his wife, Rachel. (laughs) 
Rebecca, sorry, Rebecca. <laughs> she cannot conceive. So Isaac prays for his barren wife. Genesis 25, 21 says, And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. <laughs> Rebecca, the wife of Isaac, the daughter of Bethuel, who was actually Isaac's cousin. And when we read of Rebecca, she sees she from the word, she's a kind woman. The first time we meet her, Abraham's servant is looking for a wife for Isaac. He goes to a foreign land and he prays a prayer to God. But when he meets this woman, she's busy getting water for her, for her sheep. And Isaac says, the servant says to her, please can, you, <laughs> please can you give water to me? And she says, of course I will. And I'll even give water to all your camels. Look at that generosity, giving water to us. A kind woman. She also trusted God because when she conceived, there was such a battle in her womb. She didn't know what was going on. There were no scans those days. She didn't know there were two in there. The children struggled. Verse 22, the children struggled together within her. And she said, if this is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of God, a godly woman. And lo and behold, a few months later, two boys were born to Rebecca. The first was Esau, the firstborn. He came out of the womb. <laughs> he came out of the womb red and hairy. <laughs> As he grew, he became a skillful hunter. He loved the outdoors, and he was his father's favorite. The, the second twin born to, to Rachel and Isaac was a boy called Jacob, and he came out of the womb holding on to his brother's heel. <laughs> Jacob was a quiet man. He preferred living in the tent he cooked, and he was his mother's favorite. Thank you to my actors. <laughs> the first scripture we read speaks of birthright. What was birthright? We read Esau despised his birthright and sold it for a bowl of stew. Now the birthright was what went to the firstborn of the family. It gave them the authority to lead the family. And in this case, because of the promise made to, to Abraham by God, that birthright included the worldwide blessing that was gonna come through Abraham's seed. 
Esau despised that. By birth, Esau was Jewett. Why? Because he was the firstborn. But by promise, when we read scripture, it was actually to go to Jacob. Because it says in, in Genesis 25, verse 23, the Lord said to her, Rachel, before these boys were born, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. So Esau's by birthright being born first, Jacob's by God's promise. Then in that second portion of scripture that I read, we read about the blessing. And we know with the blessing, and we know that the hope, we do know the Sunday school story, but what happened? Esau, Isaac was dying, and he wanted to give the blessing. What was the blessing? It was the supreme position of authority given to one man in the household. It was usually the first, and Esau wanted to give all the rights of his property, everything that he owned, and he was wealthy. He wanted to give them to Esau, because in his eyes, Esau was the one. He was the strong one. He was the natural one to, to be given this blessing. So he gets, he plans, what does he do? He wants to make an event. He wants it to be at a special time, so he calls Esau in, and he says, Esau, Go out, catch my favorite game, cook it, bring it to me, and I will bless you. Rebecca overhears this conversation. She goes to Jacob. She's my boy. Go and get the lamb. I'm going to prepare it in the way that your father likes. And they take the, the skin of the lamb and they place it on Jacob's arms because Jacob was smooth. And Esau was hairy. And in that scripture that I read, Isaac could hear. This is not Esau's voice. He was old. He felt Jacob's arms. And he decided, ah, oh, obviously is Esau. And he gave the blessing to Jacob in place of Esau. When I read scripture like this, and, I and I'm sure you do as well, when we read parts of the Bible, most of the Bible, Aren't you encouraged by this? These were people who failed. They grasped. They deceived. They lied. They did everything that's not godly. And yet, and yet, God used them. And God powerfully worked his purposes through them. This morning I was reading about David and I was reading that chapter where David, instead of going to war, what was he doing? He was just parking off. He goes to the top of his roof and he sees Bathsheba bathing. What happens? He calls her up. He sleeps with her. They conceive a baby. He tries to hide it. He gets the husband, tries to get the husband to sleep with his wife, but he's, he wants to honor his army. He wants to honor his king. So eventually David has him killed. Gosh, this man slept with a woman who wasn't his wife, had her husband killed, and yet God used him powerfully. And that's what this, this preach is about today. No matter what we have done, God wants to use us. When we, we mess up, what do we do? We come back. We say we're sorry, 
and we repent and he uses us. So let's look at these four guys and lady, one, three guys, one lady, Isaac. He knows he's dying. The word tells us he's expecting to die and he wants Esau to, to be given the blessing. He ignores the fact that God has prophesied that the younger will serve the older. He ignores the fact that earlier Esau had despised his birthright. He ignores the fact that Esau has recently brought great pain to the household by bearing two Hittite women. He ignores all that. He decides, I'm, look, I'm, I know, I can see this is the strongest son. I can see this is the main one. I'm going to ignore the revelation of God. Where was the Isaac who prayed and waited for the right wife? Where was the Isaac who prayed when his wife was barren? You know, in that little aside there on the praying, it says in that scripture, the Lord granted his prayer. And I just want to put a little footnote, prayer. The glory and wonder of us praying with God and being able to ask God for things. And it says the Lord granted his prayer. And he had the two boys. Are we praying? Are we praying? Is that a first resort? Isaac reminds me of Saul a lot. Saul was the anointed king, the chosen first king for Israel. And he did really well. He conquered the Philistines. He was charging on. I don't know what happened. The word doesn't really explain to us, but I guess he starts to think, well, you I am pretty okay. I'm a pretty good king. I'm destroying the enemies. Just look at me. And he makes two grave mistakes that the Bible records. The first one is it's time to give sacrifice. And the men are leaving and he sort of, he does, what does he do? He uses his own reason. The word, he knows he cannot sacrifice. He is not a priest. Only a priest can sacrifice. But his reason says, but look, look what's happening. I obviously must sacrifice. So he puts aside what God says and does what he thinks is right. Then later on, he gets told, go and destroy the Amalekites and destroy them. Every man, woman, beast, destroy it all. He goes and he sees, oh, this is pretty nice sheep here and blah, blah, blah. So he kills some but he doesn't kill all. What is he doing? What do we do? We start to think, but God, I can see what's going on. Can't you see how bad the situation is? I need to take action now. I can't wait for you anymore. You're dead or you're not listening or you're not doing it when you should be doing it. Don't we do that? Waiting for God's timing. Isaac pushed it. Bless Esau because he's the strong one. You know, I just want to, I also, what's amazing is Isaac was deceived. He did bless Jacob. And then when Esau came in afterwards and he wept, he said, oh, can't, dad, can't you give me some blessing? At that time, Jacob could have revoked the blessing and blessed, Isaac could have revoked the blessing I'm sorry, I'm getting the names mixed up. I do know. Hopefully you're following me. I apologize. Isaac could have revoked the blessing 
and blessed Esau, but he didn't. In faith, he decided God acted. How do I know that? Hebrews. Isaac's, after all that messing up, he's in the hall of fame. How awesome is that? How encouraging is that? Hebrews 11 verse 20, by faith, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau. He messed up. He blessed the wrong boy. He wanted to bless the wrong boy. But he then, when he really messed up, it wasn't like, oh, well, I'm just going to, he, he, okay, God, I hear you. I'm sorry. And he blessed Esau as well. And he's, made, he's told, it said in the Hall of Fame, by faith, he did that. How encouraging is that? It's never, ever too late to stop what you're doing and turn back to God. Never. How about Rebecca? It's sad for me when we read that she overhears the conversation between Isaac and Esau. What had happened to their relationship? We can see they had an awesome relationship. Surely when you're going to grant a blessing, it's such an important decision, you discuss it with your wife. She didn't know what Isaac was planning to do, but she overheard it. So married couples, is your spouse the first person to hear your good news and your bad news? How is your relationship? Does your husband or wife have to overhear from someone else some important event happening in your life? She deceives her husband and she encourages his son to deceive his father. It works. The trickery works. Even though he's not quite sure, he trusts. He trusts that this is Esau, and he blesses Jacob. Jacob does express a bit of concern about what he's about to do. And in Genesis 27, verse 12, he says to his mother, before they've done it, perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. What does she say back to him? A very dangerous statement. In verse 13, his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, bring them to me. There is only one who takes all our curse and whom we should obey. Only one. And his name is Jesus. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Because friend, if he is not, the curse of sin is upon you. You cannot have a relationship with God if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you have not bowed your knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you are cursed.
cursed. But Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy One, came to, came to this earth, lived as a man, and gave his life, his blood. But that, as that scripture says, every curse is taken from me. Praise God we can live in freedom. Praise God we can have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Isaac, Rebecca, and I hope as you, I'm speaking that God is pointing, touching you, saying, mm, come on, this needs to change. Remember what we said, it's never, ever too late. Hey, never, ever. Esau, Esau, he despised his birthright. It says that. How do we know that? Did I, when I read that scripture, did you notice it says he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. There was no repentance. We don't read later on that he goes, oh, dad, I've made the stupidest mistake. I was hungry. I was exhausted. I was in a bad place. And I really did a bad thing. Doesn't record that. And I don't think it, I think it would have if he did. He did not repent. Repentance. When we mess up, turn quickly, get up, run to God and say, I am sorry, I have messed up again and again and again. But maybe be disturbed, may we repent, may we not just, well, we so often I think with sin, I see it in myself, we just, well, it doesn't really matter. And that happened and that happened. And Esau might have said, but I was tired and da, 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 No. Repent. Be honest with yourself. I've messed up. Repent before our heavenly God. The sad thing for Esau is that when we read the New Testament, it's not a good report. Hebrews 12 verse 16 and 17 says, See that no one is sexually or moral, immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. When we mess up, the reality of life is there are consequences. Esau never lost the love of his father. He never, ever lost that. He was always part of the family. And we know when we read on, we know that Esau and Jacob were reconciled. But Esau lost his inheritance. And that was gone forever. And it's horrible to say this, but the reality is if we keep on messing up and we keep on making choices, God will never stop loving us. God will never, ever take us back and say, but there's some things that we will never, ever regain. It's a hard part to say, but it's true. Repent quickly. Repent quickly. We so easily, I so easily give in to pleasure. Give in to my rights. Give into, I don't know, you put in what you give in instead of going to God. It's so easy. There's an incredible man, many incredible men, but this guy, if you haven't read this book, you need to read it. 
is mine. He's called Surprise Satoli. He's alive today. He lives in Nelspruit. If you haven't heard of him, the reason you haven't heard of him, he's a true man who goes, he's, he, is, he wants to serve the downhearted. He wants to serve those who won't come to him. And I want, just what this man, this whole book is about giving up stuff. But I just want to read you a little portion to convict you to the bottom of your heart. After my years in Bible school, I thought briefly about joining the ministry staff of a church. There are many relatively affluent churches in South Africa, and I would have been much better off financially if I had taken this route. But my heart was with those people in the remote villages who would never have a chance to hear about Jesus unless someone like me told them about him. Therefore, I went back to doing what I'd done first in Malawi and then in Mozambique, going from farm to farm and village to village to preach the gospel and plant churches. I walked long distances every day. Usually, I had no place to sleep. So I spent the night out in the fields, under bushes, or anywhere else I could find to lie down. I often took comfort in Jesus' word. Foxes have dens and, de and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I did not mind sleeping out in the open. What I did sometimes find difficult was the lack of food. Most of the time I survived on discarded morsels of food. Sometimes I had to scrape off the ants before taking a bite. I would brush them off telling them, okay, this is my food now, you can go somewhere else. The ants that did not listen to me would become an extra bit of protein. I admit to having eaten some stale, disgusting looking scraps in an attempt to fill my aching stomach but God always blessed me and they tasted good once they were in my mouth. <laughs> I'm not suggesting we all become like surprise Satoli. That was his calling. But what I am strongly urging, asking you, what is your calling? Have you given it up for the simple earthly pleasures which will be come for nothing? Tough, eh? What has God called you to do? Let's serve him. Let's do what he's called us to do and not sell for the brief pleasures of life. And then Jacob. Jacob. In his favor, he wanted this, this universal blessing of God, this birthright. He wanted to be the one through whom this blessing of God would, would go through, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He wanted that. And he knew, I'm sure he knew that he was the one that God said who would have it. But he went about getting it in his own way. He grasped for it. He took the opportunity. Aha! My brother needs food. He's hungry. Give me the birthright. And not only give it, but swear to me. He was like making sure he got it. He wasn't doing it God's way. He was doing it his way. And later he grabs even more. The blessing. 
he goes, he, he questions it, but now he goes along. And when you read that portion of scripture, he lies over and over again. God gives him so many opportunities. Okay, dad, I'm really sorry. It's actually me, Jacob. I'm sorry. I'm deceiving you. Again and again, Jacob, Isaac says stuff where Jacob could, could say, no, you're right. How's this? He comes in with the lamb. And the first thing Isaac says to him in verse 20 he says to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly? You know, he's gone hunting. He's arrived already with this food. And this is what Jacob answers. Because the Lord your God granted me success. And we become so religious. Oh, he's blessed me. Where in actual fact, we are manipulating the situation for our own ends. And we are putting on, but God said it. But we're not doing it in his timing. We're not doing it in his way. As a principal, many years ago, one of the hardest things in teach uh, if I step on anyone's toes, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> Staff would come to me. Now, in a school, you have to have a teacher in the classroom because if you don't have a teacher in the classroom, you've got 30-odd children who need to be taught. It's not like business where you can make do and people fill in because everyone's teaching. And people would come to me and I can think, I think of two specific ladies. I'm not, no name. In my time, you don't know either of them. None of you. So the one, the, the one, first the one came and said to me, no, she's got this incredible opportunity. She has to leave and she's starting work in two weeks' time, so she's going. Now it tells us that God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. This was maybe very good for her, and I'm not denying that God said it, but for the school, it put a whole lot of kids at risk. And I said that to her. She left. I don't know how it worked out for her. Similar, roughly the same time, another lady came to me. Same story. I really need to go. Challenged her in the same way. She said, Lainey, I will give that term's notice. And she stayed. She left. God, she felt God said leave. And she waited. And at the end of that time, she came to me. She said, Lainey, God has taught me so much. And he has given me an incredible opportunity. So where it's when, you know, we do know it. When we push it, God has said it. But we don't like his timing. We don't like the way he's doing it. So we take over and we do it our way. Do we have the patience to wait? Sure, hey? Four people. And again, I say what I said at the beginning. They all messed up. And I know there's not one of you here who hasn't messed up. Big ones and little ones. <laughs> but God wants to, desires to use you in his way. Use you and me for his purposes. And when, we, when I mess up, what do I do? I quickly... Go and say, God, it's me again. I've done it again. I'm sorry. And what he does, he doesn't say, okay, you're laying 25 times, getting a bit much, hey? 
He says, come. Welcome home. Let's get back and let's get going and do what I've called you and only you can do for my glory. Ask for me. Ask for his Holy Spirit. He will give you strength. I don't know what area. There's been so many, haven't there? And I thought, God, there's so many bits here. But I know that he has put his finger, I believe with all my heart, on every single one of you. Don't just push it away now. Ask God, Lord, well, first say sorry if you need to. Repent. Say, I'm sorry, Lord. And he welcomes you back. I do not want anyone to leave here because that's not God's way to feel condemned. I want you to feel inspired. I want you to feel, wow, he can use even me. Even me. What a mighty God we serve. And can I also just add, he has a specific purpose for every single one of you. You are important in God's kingdom. You're going to mess up again. I'm going to mess up again. But let's keep walking to his drumbeat. Let's keep on pursuing him for his glory. Amen. Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za.